right, there it is. Uh, Chaos Theory's done. It's only an hour, Jeff. How Jordan Scruggs. It's only going to be about a half hour for me because I got a doctor's appointment. Jordan, you got uh, you do the, deal with that first of the year. I know you're a young cat, but first of the year, you got to schedule like dentist, eye doctor, all that fun stuff at the first of the year. Or you just, I was in my early 20s once too, man. And that stuff, it just, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. At least it was for me in my 20s. I don't know where you're at on all that. Yeah, luckily, uh, knock on wood, I have 20-20 vision, so don't really ever see the eye doctor. Um, and then dentist, orthodontist, all that, my mom sets up and is like, hey, is this good? And I look eight <laughs> months in advance with nothing else on the calendar. I'm like, yeah, that, that works. There you go. And then, and then I forget about it. My mom will text me like a week before, like, hey, you have a doctor's appointment a week from now. At, and I'm like, oh, thanks. Didn't know. Yeah, I got... So, uh... I got. I'm at the age, man. I'm at, I'm 40, so I'm getting notices from my 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 general doctor. Like, hey, you need to schedule your yearly physical. I'm like, I gotta like cough and whatnot, and you gotta feel around for some stuff. And I know Doctor Jellyfinger. I know that visit's not too far around the corner. So enjoy <laughs> enjoy your youth while you got it, Jordan. Um, speaking of youth, I, I want to go a couple different ways. I'm 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 fast, and I'm I'm fully engulfed right now in Texas building the 2024 roster. And start going through that roster building process. And, and uh, by the way, I, I didn't lie. We we are going to have a projected depth chart at Horns twenty four seven. We're just going to have it tomorrow. It's going to be part of the Insider. The insider runs on Thursday, so we decided to go ahead and make projected depth chart part of the Insider. And one one position group I want to get your take on is the secondary. Now we still Jade Barron still hasn't made a decision yet. Hasn't announced a decision yet. So we'll he'll do that in his own time. Hell, he could do it in the next five minutes. I don't know. But I want to ask you about the young defensive backs because this was a recruiting cycle where, as we've seen Sark's roster-building process evolve, you can't do it all in one shot. And they took care of the lines of scrimmage first. They got quarterback done. They worked on receivers. Off-ball linebacker in 2020, uh, 2023 was a huge area of need for them that they addressed. But 24 seems to really be about the secondary. When you look at this secondary group, which of these guys, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume your answer is going to be Xavier Filson. When you yeah. look at this group of DBs, which of these guys is going to do what Derek Williams or Manny Muhammad did this year? Who's going to be that guy in 24 that right out of the gate is going to be a guy that's like, yeah, that dude's going to get high leverage snaps pretty quick? Um, well, Filson is going to play a lot, um, I think, for sure. Definitely rotating in. Um, I think... Kobe Black is going to get some time uh, kind of at Ryan Watts' spot because, you know, um, he's kind of – he's – I don't think he's the tallest corner on the roster, um, but he's I, – I don't even know how to describe this. Like, he's built the best to play that specific yeah. corner position. And the way he plays yeah. his play style, being physical, jamming the shit out of you, um, that's what Ryan Watts' spot is. So, Kobe Black is going to get some – some PT in that time or in that spot for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Johnson rebelling. This was, uh, I had a really interesting talk with, with Gabe Brooks, who's kind of the main guy in charge of scouting and ranking guys in, in the, the Southern United States for 24 seven. Um, I had a conversation with him. We were down in San Antonio last week and I asked him, you know, Jordan Johnson rebel, where do you like him? Um, Cause you know, I think he's probably going to be a nickel. He's kind of told me that's what Texas told him the plan is. And if mm-hmm. not, it'd be at safety. And because uh, he, he played everything in high school. And also, yeah. um, Gabe Gabe knows Jordan Johnson about well. Like, he he was one of those kids that got found, like, week one of his freshman year and started getting offers then. So, we've got to see a lot of him. And What school he, was he at, Jordan? Was he Fort Worth? Was he Southwest? He was at uh, Brewer. He was Brewer, at Brewer. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then transferred to IMG, I believe. Can't remember if it was after his freshman or sophomore year. It was one okay. of the two. Um, but Jordan Johnson, who Bell... Gabe was like, I don't think there's any way he'll ever actually play corner because he was like, think about it, man. Like, defensive backs have completely switched from it used to be the safeties were the tall guys and the corners are the 5'10 guys. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Now, like, you know, you want all your corners over six feet, especially Texas. They like the bigger body corners. Yeah. And kind of your safeties to be shorter. And I think Gabe, I'm, I don't want to quote him on this i'm not a thousand percent sure this is exactly what he said but i think what he said was that the average safety in the nfl nowadays is under six feet um 
which I, again, thought was really interesting because like, even in my lifetime of being 21, I remember when the corners were the shorter guys. Usually, yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. completely switched. Um, so I think JJR, uh, if he's not a nickel, he's going to be a safety. Um, I think he could play corner if it comes to it. But, you know, they got other guys there where they won't really have to have him play that position. Yeah. Um, Wardell Mack, on the other hand, I think he's going to have more of a learning curve just because he played a lot uh, out of position in high school, uh, played quarterback largely um, just because he was his high school's best athlete. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to what Jelani McDonald did at Connolly. Um, but Wardell Mack, he coming from a, a smaller school, uh, New Orleans, where he kind of did everything. Now he's going to be focused on one position. It's helping that he's coming in January, but still like, out of out of the freshman DBs, um, I think he. I don't think it's wild to say he'll probably have the least amount of snaps. Him or JJR, at least as mm-hmm. freshman. Um, yeah. And then who am I missing? Santana Wilson. Uh, he's coming in the summer, so I think that'll kind of hurt him, especially with how young the DB group is. That's coming back. Yeah. Um, where he might actually be the guy with the least amount of snaps, but I think I think Phil Smith and Kobe Black are definitely going to be they'll have the highest snap count of the five freshman DBs. So I'm right there with you on Kobe black. When I, I, when I started filling in chip Brown and I are working on that right now on the depth chart, getting it ready for tomorrow. That's where I had Kobe black was at the boundary corner position because again, physicality, you know, his size. I mean, he's already over. We got him listed at six foot one ninety. Didn't he play his senior year? Like 200 plus, like he's a pretty thick, Kid. Yeah, he he might have. Yeah. There were times where it definitely looks like he gained weight. Yeah, but. I think if he's going to play corner, he's his his skill set, and it's not just that he's a bigger guy. I know the safety projection is one of those things that, I mean, it's almost like the 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 the, the don't the don't touch that situation with a ten foot pole, you know, because you'll get you know all kinds of people you know, riled up about it. But I just think his skill set fits best at that boundary corner spot, and. You know, when you look at the corners that are coming back, you know, Gavin Holmes is the only guy who I think is isolated just in terms of he 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 plays the field corner. He doesn't really have the body, the skill set to play boundary corner. But Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks, they can play either or. So you got yeah. plenty of flexibility there. So I think if you've got Kobe Black coming in, uh, coming in in the spring to go into a season where if you say, OK, Gavin Holmes is your backup field corner. Kobe Black is your backup boundary corner, knowing you can flip-flop Terrence Brooks or Manny Muhammad, depending on matchups. Man, I think that's actually a pretty good setup. I don't mind that at all for the Texas secondary. Uh, you, you were saying having um, Holmes at, at Watson's spot is what you were saying? No, Holmes Holmes backing up uh, Terrence Brooks on the field okay, side. Okay, boundary, yeah. The boundary side is where Kobe Black would be, where Ryan Watts was. Okay. Uh, I, I like him there. And then you look at how it pairs up with the – I think it could be – it should be – a pretty seamless transition because Andrew Makuba played. He played. If you look at Clemson's depth chart, it'll say strong safety. But in the Clemson defense and Venable's defense, the strong, safety, a lot. The, the strong safety is their field safety. So yeah. the base of the three primary positions he played, he played some corner, but he played nickel and he played field safety. So that should be a pretty easy swap for him to if they want him to spin down to play nickel or whatever. Uh, Derek Williams probably fits better at the at the boundary safety. So I I think in terms of you know where the guys fit in terms of how the pieces fit for how this Texas defense needs to function for how PK wants it to function. I, I love the way the new guys fit. It it was hard to figure out this some of the guys we didn't see a ton of this year. Like trying to figure out some of those linebackers. Okay, like where would Samaje Burrell fit? Where does Darian Gallette fit? Because Darian Gallette didn't play his senior year because of the injury and pretty much redshirted this year. So like, where, where do you fit him in? Uh, but man, I, that's another reason why I like this secondary class, Jordan. It doesn't, you've got, uh, these guys are good enough athletes to where you don't have to pigeonhole them into a certain position, but the skill sets are such that, okay, if we're going to get these guys on the field as early as possible, how do we best make it fit? And you got places to make it all fit. Like I think, I think Wardell Mack, uh, I think I had Wardell Mack at field uh, field corner on that depth chart, and I think I had JJR at safety. But between JJR and Jelani McDonald, if you're telling me one guy is going to stick at that star position and one guy is going to kind of be prim- more primarily a boundary safety, okay, then what does it matter? You're basically just sw- swapping names at that yeah. point. So I don't know. That's kind of 
That's a long. That's a, a very long-winded way of me saying I like how this secondary class fits into the defense, along with them being talented. There's some some scheme fit, and it's just it, it just really shows you the method to the madness of what PK and Terry Joseph Blake getting those guys are trying to do. Yeah, uh, with with Drew McCuba, he he can literally play any secondary spot that they uh, could ask of him. But I do know in talking to uh, those in in his circle. Um, his preference is to play safety because uh, he's going to play in the NFL, and when he does, he's going to play safety. So, mm-hmm. um, if he his preference is to just be a, a regular safety, I'm not yeah. sure if he prefers free or strong because he can do either one at a high level. Um, but you know, he <laughs> I, unless it's an emergency, I wouldn't expect him to get a ton of a snaps at, at nickel based off the conversation yeah. I had with with those sources a few weeks ago when he had committed. Especially, um, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen because every bit of intel we've gotten up to this point suggests he's leaving. But if that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a call after we get off, um, and I should it. be able to find out. I'm I, That's on me for not making the call. No, yet, but. no, it's fine. But if that 25 to 30% chance comes to fruition that Jade Barron comes back, man – the secondary was your weak link this year, I think, period. Because even with the lack of pass rush and the lack of sack numbers, you still got consistent down-to-down play from Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, which, again, that's another thing that I want to get into here in a second when we look at this, building this roster out for 24. But the secondary was the weak link, and you needed to upgrade there, and you're going to do that with uh, – with Drew, I think you do that immediately with Drew Makuba, Manny, uh, Manny Muhammad, a year older, Derek, uh, Derek Williams, a year older, Terrence Brooks, who I'm, I buy, I'm by no means ready to give up on Terrence Brooks, a year older. Um, man, if Jade comes back, tell me why that secondary can't be considered one of your strengths. Man, I think it, I think the secondary would be the strength outside of the offensive line, just because the O line returns four guys. I mean, that's yeah. probably if, if Jade comes back, that's probably or not probably. I think it is their best group outside of the offensive line. I mean, you have Drew Makuba. Um, you know, I know his best accolade is being a freshman All-American, but he was the first true freshman to start at Clemson, the secondary since like 1972. <laughs> um, he's a special kid and a special talent. And, you know, I think probably would have been our best DB last year or would have been Texas best DB last year yeah. outside of Jade. Whenever he wasn't playing, um, on I guess not 100 percent because he wasn't 100 percent the majority of the back half the last years and the the the, re- the injury originally happened I believe it was the Oklahoma game um, and then the Houston game that was the game right after OU right uh yeah they had OU yeah, the, the bye week in between yeah. yeah yeah and I remember he didn't play he barely played in the first half and people thought he was suspended um. But it was just he was still injured and didn't want to play unless it was deemed an emergency. And I guess it was deemed an emergency like two minutes <laughs> was, into the third quarter. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that. We had a group text going, and I don't know if it was you or Chip, but somebody got in there and said, yeah, he, today's only playing in case it's an emergency. And then, like, he came out the first series, the first defensive yeah. series of the second half start. And I'm like, well, Mike, I guess you got to the point where this thing's an emergency. So here's Jaday Barrett. Uh, but not – yeah, I, I, but if he doesn't come back, like let's say he doesn't come back. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price got your happy price price line um you know one topic that i want to get to i don't want to get into it today one because we don't have enough time and two i need to put some more thought into it but when you start looking at some of the third year guys on this roster like so we just went over the scenario where jade comes back if he leaves which has been the expectation all along it's going to be probably a battle between jalen gilbo and austin jordan for that yeah. star position and Jordan, you've got guys, man, that those third-year guys, guys that are going to be the true juniors or redshirt sophomores, 
this is the time in your career where it's it's you know what or get off the pot time, man. It's yeah. you know you've either got to make your move up the depth chart or the coaches because now, yeah, the staff recruited you, but they are they also recruited all the guys behind you. So if they see an opportunity to invest, like let's say, you know, let's say JJR has a great spring and you know that battle at star is close and he's right there. Well, if I'm if I'm Terry Joseph and PK, I look at it and say, you know what? JJR is a freshman. If he's already on the same level with Gilbo and Austin Jordan, his rate of development is going to be such that he's going to pass those guys at some point. Anyway, let's just go ahead and just push, put all our chips on him and developing him and getting him ready to be the star. And that, and again, we're just talking hypothetically here, but at that point now you've been recruited over. So those guys that are in the, if you're a third year guy and you haven't made your move yet, that's Jalen Gilbo, Austin Jordan in the secondary, uh, that, that group of interior defensive linemen, man, Jeray Bledsoe, Aaron Bryant, Zach Swanson. I would even say for guys like justice Finkley and Jamon tap, you know, looking at the offensive line, a guy like NATO, Amazulu, uh, a guy like Cole Hudson, who started all 13 games as a freshman and is still there, you know, is he or Connor Robertson going to be the backup center in case something happens to Jake Majors? I think that's still a competition that needs to play out. So you've got some really intriguing guys that are third-year guys in this program that if they don't make their move this spring, it's kind of now or never with the way this staff is recruiting and developing players. Yeah, and I mean, I think some of the guys from the 2022 class kind of started to realize that in the last few weeks because yeah. um, they signed 28 guys at high school that year. Two of them were specialists, the long snapper and the kicker, uh, Stone and St. Louis. Eight of those guys are already gone in the portal or I guess whatever you want to call Chris Ross's situation. I don't know. I can't remember if he ever actually went in the portal or if he, he's just off the team. No, actually, Chris Ross. Chris Ross is a fit. He, he was. He did leave the team. He was removed from the roster, but yeah, he's in the portal now. Okay. Yeah, so the eight that have left are uh, B.J. Allen, Brennan Thompson, Malik Murphy, Chris Ross, Larry Turner Gooden, that's five, uh, Derek Brown, Xavier Bryce, Trebell Johnson. That's eight. And I think the writing was on the wall. If you're a safety at Texas – no job was sa- your job was not safe coming into 2024 nor should have been and, and uh you know jaron thompson had moments where he was a really productive player at texas uh keaton crawford was one of their best core special teams guys but this is one of those deals jordan when you start to see roster movement that some people are going to panic like oh man well, dude you knew it was going to happen and it did why are all these safeties leaving is something wrong with blake gideon no, it's not that Blake Gideon and players aren't getting along. It's that guys have been told, hey, you're being told without directly being told, hey, kind of maxed out what you are here, and we're going to give these young guys a shot. Like, they didn't recruit Andrew Makuba to come in and compete for a job. They recruited Andrew yeah. Makuba to come in to be a difference maker. They didn't recruit Xavier Filsamy to come in and, hey, let's see if you can challenge for a spot in the two deep they need him to be an impact player and ha- playing the kind of snaps that Derek Williams played last year. So I think the message was heard, and I think that's why you saw some of the portal movement that you saw. I'm not saying that those guys were pushed out or anything like that, but the guys know, Jordan. I mean, I, let's not think college kids are stupid. They see the writing on the wall. They know what the deal is. And if I'm a Texas safety and I see you're making this big push for Xavier Filsamy and you're bringing in probably the best safety in the portal, yeah, I, I, I get the hint. You don't have to spell it out for me. I, I can see what's going on. Yeah, I, dude, I kind of figured they both might graduate. Um, because it's like, how much can those two guys like really boost their stock? You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because like, I mean, Keaton Crawford has he committed anywhere? I assume he's going to end up at Nevada with Jeff Choate. I have. If he not hasn't committed there, there, I'm about to look. I've not um, seen committed anywhere. I haven't seen the Jarens committed anywhere either. But you no, know, wherever Keaton Crawford goes, he has to go down a level. Like, I'm not trying to be mean or rude or anything, but no one that's at the level of the University of Texas is going to have a spot for Keaton Crawford to transfer to. And likely Jaron Thompson the same. I think Jaron Thompson will have more options than Keaton Crawford does. But, you know, still, I, I assume those guys might have just wanted to graduate and maybe start 
you know, working off the NFL instead of delaying it a year. But, I mean, I understand. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can say working for the NFL, but, I mean, what is, what, like, what is Jaron Thompson's NFL stock? Like, are you basically... That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't like how much is one more year going to help them is what I'm saying. Like at this point, you're just playing for love of the game, which I understand. Uh, Yeah, I think I I think the option is to go down a level, like to go to a G5 and or even if, you know, like if you went to fill in the blank, like Big 12 school and I'm not going to dump on the Big 12, but like, let's say, okay. Let's let's use Baylor in this example, right? Dude, if I'm Baylor, if I'm Dave Aranda, I'm taking any – and a guy like Jaron Thompson wanted to come to my program. He was basically like a three-year starter at Texas who helped helped Texas win a conference championship, has played in a college football playoff. Hell, yeah, I'm all, I'm all over that. So yeah. I think for Jaron Thompson, it, it's – you know, as a player, you, you, you accomplish probably – with the exception of winning a national championship, the team goals you you got you you accomplish the team goals pretty much any player can accomplish outside of winning a national championship. You won a conference championship, you got to the CFP. Uh, I think at this point it's going to be really hard for him and Keaton Crawford, if not impossible, to land on a roster where you're going to be with a team that's competing for a spot, even in the twelve team playoff next year. So now it's like, where's my best opportunity to shine? who at a lower level, uh, whether it's a great DB's coach individually, maybe they've got a great scheme, whatever it is, I think you're looking at what can, how can I put my best foot forward for the NFL and put some really good things on tape? Like, I know that sounds selfish, but I think for those guys at this point in their career, you got to be a little bit selfish. And I know they're both team guys. They're both, they're both good leaders. I never heard anything bad said about either of them since they've been on campus, but Am I wrong, Jordan? I mean, I think that's this is where guys have to be selfish a little bit. And you got to look out for number one and figure out, okay, where am I going to have the best chance to play? Yeah, I think a big part of it, too, like, and I know some schools use this as tactic just because of the sources in the NI world um, that I talked to. And a lot of these guys, um, the the guys who have one year left and kind of fringe NFL guys and know they're not really probably ever going to have a long career in the league. The schools recruiting them out of the portal are kind of like, hey, like you'll never play in the NFL, but we have this amazing school here and we'll pay you more than anyone else will for your last year. And like nine times, nine times out of time, nine times out of 10, it usually ends up not working out like either side thought it would. Yeah. But, the kid ends up getting a great degree and getting paid the most. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I don't know, we see uh, Jaron Thompson end up at, like, Cal or, like, some random school where it's like, how does this make sense? And it's like you make some calls and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Jaron because, I mean, he's a, like, how many more people, how many more players in the portal have more experience than him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just scouring Twitter, scouring the Twitter machine, and of course, like, like we just talked about, man. Oh, you fans are spinning this as, oh, you lose Jaron Thompson, you lose a defensive starter. Yeah. All right, you think, and I'm sure Blake Gideon loves Jaron Thompson because he's been in his meeting room since Blake came here and got the job. I don't think Blake Gideon's losing any sleep thinking, all right, those reps Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford got last year, some of Michael Taft's reps. I'm going to give those reps now to Makuba and Williams, a little more to Williams. Phil Smith's going to get some of those. Maybe Jelani McDonald gets some of those. I don't think Blake Gideon or PK are losing any sleep over that. Yeah. I'm excited to see Jelani McDonald this year, dude. Like, he he plays, like, a different kind of level of swagger and confidence. And, like, I always talked about that with Jade, but, like, I feel like Jelani is even more of it. Like, yeah. he, like, puts it in your face whenever he runs you over and, like, yeah. Oh, like I, I love I love shit talkers. Like I just I love the high intensity. Like yeah. Texas needs that. They need that. man the my because Jelani actually is on some special teams. He's on the kickoff team and a couple other units. But when he's not on the field, you look down to the sideline. He and Billy Walton are like the two most yeah. hype dudes in the stadium. Like they're 
they, those two guys got energy and swagger for days, man. Billy Walton and Jelani McDonald. Like, I don't, I, I don't know, man. It, they're probably the kind of guys, Jordan, that if you were their friends, like, they'd probably piss you off. Cause I'm like, dude, I need you to calm down right now. Like, yeah. Like, I like you, but I'm gonna have to start taking you in dose. Like, you, everybody's got that friend that, like, they're great to hang out with, man, but I gotta, I gotta take you in doses, man. Like, we can hang out for a couple of days, but I can't do like a whole week. Like, we, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta back off here a little bit. But yeah, no, I'm with you, man. This, uh, our guy Eric Henry, Eric, uh, had a really good story idea when we were down in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl and, and he wrote it yesterday just about the young guys understanding how to carry over this culture and take that baton because man, I know I've gotten tired of talking about culture in my time governing this program. I know everybody's gotten tired of hearing about it, but man, that, that was a really big piece of why Texas got as far as it did this year. And think about the leadership you lose. I mean, with Jordan Whittington and sweat and Murphy and Christian Jones, you're losing a, a ton of leadership and guys that help build this thing. But, I think this just kind of sums up, Jordan, talking to the assistant coaches that I got to talk to at the Sugar Bowl. I know you checking with your sources, the sources I've heard from, chip sources, you know, everybody that we talked to about this class and even what Sarkis said on the record. Um, this quote by Anthony Hill to me sums up what the guys this year on the roster that were true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, true sophomores. This to me sums up what that group is all about. And I think this is good that Sarkin, Sarkin, those guys can identify this in recruiting because it's, it can be hard to find. This is Anthony Hill quote, everything about this year has been doing it now. And we respect those vets so much. We don't want to be the ones to mess up what they've given us. The fact that you can have young guys understand the importance of culture that much, and trust me, it, it's much easier. And I've talked to guys that have been in the locker room and been in these situations. It's much easier to be a leader and have your voice matter when you're balling out on the field. That if Anthony Hill's ready to take on that leadership role, this defense, this team is going to be fine because who's going to not listen to Anthony Hill? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And if he's got if he's got the the Jonte Cooks of the world and those guys. You know, the C.J. Baxters, if, if those guys are going to follow him, man, I, I don't think that's that's another reason why I think this isn't a flash in the pan, man. This isn't a house of cards. It's they, I really do feel like Texas has something that's built to last right now. Yeah. Um, and I like Leonga LaFowle a lot. I think he'll bring a lot of leadership to the linebacker rotation as well, even though Benda and Ant are already going to be there. Look, Leonga. Um, I'll tell you this, man. Choke. When I talked to Cho, Jeff Choate at the Sugar Bowl about Leonga LaFowle, like to say he lit up would be an understatement. Like he's, I, you can tell he really wishes he could have coach that defense next year and coach that position where he had LaFowle and, and Anthony Hill gobbling up most of the snaps. Yeah. So Leonga, um, I just, I, I didn't get to cover him because I wasn't covering Texas during the 22 class, but just in reading back through what Mike had wrote and then talking to Mike and, also, I actually happened to run into Leonga uh, in January of last year at a seven-on-seven -seven tournament. He was getting paid to make an appearance for NIL or whatever. And <laughs> we just, it was me, him, DeAndre Moore chopped it up for like an hour. And I remember it was cold as hell. And he was wearing slides and like shorts and like a t-shirt. And I'm like, man, like, when are you going to get used to Texas weather, all that? And he was like, oh, I'm not a pussy. <laughs> like damn bro like <laughs> so, sorry <laughs> but um but no great great guy actually I, I love getting to talk with him for about an hour then and all the stories i've heard about him great guy i'm excited to see him play and yeah. one thing mike always talked about was um he showed up to the elite camp he got invited and showed up to the elite camp came all the way from hawaii this, i believe this was going into his junior season and um, Anthony Hill was already the number one everything by then, number one linebacker, five-star, whoop-de-woo, all that, because Ant got found as a freshman. Yeah. Mike said he was at the camp and kept seeing, like, Leonga kept eyeing up, like, Anthony Hill and, like, kept getting in his group on purpose so that, like, he could beat him because Leonga was like, okay, this is the number one guy. I want to show that I'm better than the number one guy and, like, I'm not scared to go up against him or with him or whatever. Like, kids, dude, I... I could count maybe on like one hand the kids that have a mindset like that that I've come across in recruiting. Like I'm serious. It's it's rare. Um all these kids want to play first, they want to get paid a ton, they don't want to have to work for it or earn it. Leona Leonga has always understood like what his role is and how 
you know, people kind of look at him. I think it's just, oh, it's that Hawaiian kid. You know, he wants yeah. to be known as the Onga LaFowle, like star Texas linebacker next to Anthony Hill or even more than Anthony Hill. Like, he yeah. doesn't ever want to be in anyone's shadow, and he's going to work until he isn't in their shadow or he feels yeah. like there isn't. Yeah. So, yeah, before before I go, and I don't know if BK's backstage yet because BK's going to finish off the show for me today. Uh, but before I, I bump off, just talking to Jeff Choate, again, uh, talking about just the pairing of Hill and LaFowle together. He said what Leonga LaFowle is going to bring to the table, he said he's a great, as as much as people are wowed about his physicality and, and that poly pop when he brings it, as Jeff Choate called it, said he's a great zone dropper, really understands passing game concepts, and he's going to be the guy that pairs perfectly with Anthony Hill because Anthony Hill's going to be able to take more take chances and to do the things that he does and and shoot gaps and be a pass rusher and try to make negative plays. And LaFowle's going to be the guy that is there to clean it up. So he can pretty much – Anthony Hill doesn't need to be afraid to make mistakes because the the more those two play together – Anthony Hill's going to be there, or LaFowle's going to be right behind Anthony Hill getting ready to clean it up. So yeah. I got to go. I got the doctor's appointment to get to. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, BK, fresh off of his break between his two hours, taking Bucky Godbolt through the morning, and then, I don't know, whatever the hell BK and Trey get into. Who knows on that deal? You, you and the Buck were talking about some wild stuff this morning, BK. Don't blame me. I heard about dog testicles and vasectomies and all kinds of stuff going on on that morning show. Yeah, that's that we've got here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. I just uh, I have to associate with it, sadly, but that's all the mind of Bucky Godbolt right there. Well, you guys can talk about the Texas offensive line or linebackers or vasectomies or whatever, but I will. Uh, UK, thanks for taking it from me, and I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Imagine the headline like LeBron James out. Next four games, parentheses, vasectomy. Is <laughs> <laughs> Waz or someone tweeting it? Oh, man. He'd probably, like, flop in the doctor's office, and he'd be, like, staying in that room for an extra three days, just crying in pain. No one I, I, you're talking to, like, someone his whole childhood was LeBron. I don't want to hear shit. I'm a LeBron yeah. fan, for the record, but, like, I'm clearly not as staunch as you. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's a flopper. A lot of the great players in the history of the NBA. Everyone in the league nowadays is a flopper. If Michael Jordan right. played in this era, he'd be a flopper too. Like, Bingo. Like, I'm a Mavs guy. Like, Luke is my, my favorite player right now. He's a huge flopper, and he complains all the time. And I hate that about him, but, like, that's just what the NBA is nowadays. So, yeah, uh, yeah no. LeBron fan, uh, no word on vasectomy or not. But that would be the funniest thing ever if Wozier Shams was like racing to see who could have the first tweet <laughs> announcing could have the, that. The vasectomy scoop. Mm, love, love vasectomy is what they'd be calling yeah. it on the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, I heard y'all talking linebackers, man. And I like, I'm sure the David Benda news probably spearheaded that conversation. But like, as, as good as David Benda was, he, clear, he clearly has some things he can't improve on but i feel like he took a big step from 22 to 23 uh is there a chance that yeah like benda is not a starter by the end of 2024 because those other two guys that you were talking about are are that good um i mean i, I think there's a chance but at the same time like some of these positions on the texas defense it really doesn't matter who the hell is actually starting like a lot, a lot of people don't know this um, last year, the two starting interior D linemen was Moro Jomo and uh, Keandre Coburn, and their backups were Byron Murphy and Tamandre Sweat. Sweat and Murphy both had a higher snap count than Ojomo and uh, Coburn did in 2021 or in 2022. Sorry. Wow. Um, and I haven't looked at the snap count, what it looks like for linebackers this year, but you know, I do know, like. I mean, and I was told this directly from sources since last January, whenever the, the 22 class enrolled. But if Anthony Hill ends up at Texas A&M, ended up signing with them, or ended up at anywhere else that wasn't Texas, and they still got Leonga LaFowle, he would have played all of these snaps Anthony Hill played this year. That's how much Leonga would have played this year. Like, that's how much they believe in him and like him. Um, it was just, you know, you had Anthony Hill who – I mean, I don't even have to talk about it. I, I watched three years of high school. Y'all have seen one year. Like, y'all know what I'm going to say. Um, Leonga can't. No one's starting over that guy. So, you know, now that 
Jalen Ford is gone. A ton of those snaps are gone. Um, you know, I think all those guys are going to have – I expect Ant to have the highest number for sure. Yeah. But I think Benda and, and Leonga, regardless of who's coming out and starting, and even the other rotational guys, I think the snaps are going to look, you know, kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah, I'm going to need you to say that a lot this offseason because I'll be honest, I won't speak for all Texas fans. Maybe I'm in the vast minority here, but like, I, I didn't put too much into LaFau's recruitment, and I just like – He's not a name that I bring up. When I keep talking about what this Texas defense is going to look like this year, there's like seven, eight, nine guys that I talk about before LaFau. That's like one of those things. Obviously, hopefully we all see it in the fall, and we'll all learn very quickly if LaFau's on the field and is making the type of impact that you think he could make. But that's one of those names that me and other Texas fans probably need to be talking about more as a guy who can uh, make sure this defense is really good next season. Yeah, um, I mean, in, in his recruitment, I, I obviously didn't cover it, um, but in remembering it, it felt like it was like Oregon, Utah, West Coast schools, Tennessee was also involved. Um, I know Tennessee, Oregon, and I think it was Utah all tried to make like a late push with some NIL as well, and he wasn't having it. He was firm with Texas and Choate and all that and stuck it out. Um, but if I remember correctly – Let's see. He took OVs to Oregon and Utah and Texas, of course. Um, yeah, and Tennessee offered him late September of his senior year, and they were trying to flip him. Um, I know not everyone can obviously notice this because it's, one, hard to see their numbers, and, two, they're sprinting 100 yards. But he was on every kickoff this year as well. Um, he's number 18. I believe I so I was on the field for the Texas TCU game, uh, taking photos for Horns twenty four seven. If I remember correctly, he was either on punt or punt return as well for one of those um, drives or series, I guess. But not one hundred percent sure. Um, Got to get a better number than eighteen, right? If you're a linebacker, uh, I don't know. That might be that might be his thing. Um, huh. I, I'm trying to find what he wore in high school. I think he wore 10 in high school. Okay. Yeah, 10. Yeah. You've seen, you've yeah, seen some linebackers can't. rock 10 in recent years, but that's a that's a tough one to get. You got to earn anything like 1 through 10, you've got to earn. <laughs> well, you can't earn 10 at Texas, my boy. Yeah, that's true. That one can't be earned. So, uh, maybe that's why he chose 18. It's like the same thing as 10. There's just a line in the middle of the zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. So, any um, – I guess I'll ask – Incoming and outcoming, like any fear that any linebacker leaves, I feel like we would have already heard something by now, but because the linebackers coach, obviously Jeff Choate left, any worry that someone from Texas leaves and then any chance that Texas adds to the portal or they adds to the linebacker room in the portal or are they confident with the guys that they have coming back? Uh, I mean, they're in contact with uh, Kendrick Blackshire from Alabama. Um, that one, you know, still has a little bit of ways to go. Uh, there are other schools involved as well. And I think he's still – I mean, he entered, like, very recently a few days ago. Um, kids want to take visits. He's already been through the recruiting process before. Like, while he doesn't want it to play out, like, you know, it, kids need to take their time to make sure they're making the right decision. Um, okay. As far as people entering the portal from Texas, the the window is now closed for – for all Texas players, unless you're a grad transfer, you can enter whenever you want. Um, so uh, unless Benda goes in the portal as a grad transfer, I don't think we'll see any linebackers um, be leaving on their way out. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I guess yeah. Uh, af- after the spring is the next oh, after the sp- portal window. Um, that's That's got to be impossible to predict, right? Like, obviously, you got to see mean, what happens in spring ball to if, see who, who wants to go. Know, I wouldn't think anyone would leave from the linebacker group um, that's on the team right now. But if someone was and I had to put money on it, I'd probably say it's probably Samaj Burrell or um, Darian Gallette just because they're in the same class as Ant and LaFowle. Um, You know, hard for them to get on the field. They haven't played at all yet. I don't think either one has registered a single snap. I may be wrong. Um, But it could could be those guys. Um, At the same time, you know, I don't think – Texas is in a rush to push anyone out, especially at that position, especially in the spring as well. Um, 
the spring portal window, it, you know, obviously gets talked about because it's a portal window. But, I mean, it's like the – like if we're – I don't know. Let's say the January portal window is 100. The, the spring one is like a 40. Like it's only 15 days. Mm. Most of the guys who were wanting to transfer already had the idea back in December or January when they originally were thinking about it. Um, that's when most guys enter. So, you know, the, the number of guys who enter in the spring is so low compared to the winter. So, you know, that said, there's usually a lot less, you know, high caliber talented guys that would fit at a school like Texas than there is in winter. And also like schools that are tampering and getting these guys from other schools to come to theirs. Uh, they want it done in January so then they can have them all the way through for spring ball. In uh, in Sark's perfect world, like how many more portal players do you think he brings in before spring ball? Like it, it seems obvious based on your reporting and listening to you and Jeff, they're in the market for a receiver. Uh, Jamari Caldwell, yeah. obviously the DT at Houston, still very much in play. Uh, and then yeah, you just talked about Blackshire at linebacker. Like is it those three positions? Like one more receiver, one more interior D lineman, and then a linebacker. Could something else be in there? Like, obviously, Sark's got to compete against a bunch of other coaches trying to get all of these players. So it might not be that perfect world we want. But how many more guys do you think this coaching staff would like to get out of the portal? I think they're aiming for at least five total, I think. And by at least, I don't mean like they could go all the way up to eight. I just think like five is probably going to be, you know, the lowest number they take. I don't imagine them only taking the three they got now. Um, and I don't think four is enough for total scholarship numbers, but I still need to go through the roster and figure out exactly which scholarships are where, um, cause that helps with putting the, the puzzle pieces together for the portal. Um, but I mean, I, I could see it maybe as much as seven, maybe as much as six, uh, you know, it's obviously smaller than the other portal classes. Um, and you know, I think it's going to remain smaller than other ones cause, you know, each portal window is so different because they keep bringing in new rules and changing other rules and stuff like that. So they're all different. But uh, the last two portal windows both had more guys committed to Texas than they did currently where they are. Um, you can also make the argument Texas didn't play in the college football playoff the last two years or have it extended that far. But, you know, everything's – I'm just trying to have some similarity here. Um, yeah. And – yeah, I, I don't know. I think they'll add at least one or two more for sure. Like, they're they're definitely not – this is not what they're finishing with. I can say yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard you the other day saying you feel pretty good about the whole Jamari Caldwell situation considering it feels like he's not going back to Houston. So, that'd be uh, that'd be a big get. And then wide receiver. To me, those are like the top two, like most obvious areas of need. I, I haven't looked, and maybe you've reported on this. Maybe I'll have talked about this, but – any thought that they go after a tight end with JT Sanders officially announcing that he's going pro? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't even know if there's any good ones available. Like, I, I like Gunnar Helm. Yeah. I think he did solid, but, you know, it feels like this coaching staff likes returning production, and Gunnar Helm has some because he played some this year and was solid when he did. But, like, I, I could see if there's somebody really good available, I, I could sense Banks and Sark trying to go after him. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, you know, tight ends that would kind of fit talent-wise what Texas wants in the portal right now. Um, but I still need to look at a list. Jordan Washington, on the other hand, he's their tight end. They signed in 2024. Um, whenever he had committed on his official visit uh, to Texas in June and when they were recruiting him all throughout that summer, kind of spring, they told him, like, hey, if you come here, you are – you are not going to redshirt as a freshman. You will play <laughs> in at least five games um, because they're anticipating Jatavion Sanders leaving last summer or in the summer. And, I mean, they're telling him, like, hey, you're, you're going to catch passes as a true freshman, and you are going to play a lot in the SEC because we're going to need you. Um, and they meant that. Like, the, the, they'll, they'll tell kids, yeah, you'll get, like, playing time as a freshman. They net. They really mean it whenever they go in depth kind of like that. And like we're explaining to him this is how we'd use you different stuff like that. So I think Gunnar Helm is going to be tight end one. I think Juan Davis could even get a few catches. I think Jordan Washington, like they're going to need him to contribute because you can't replace JT Sanders with one guy. You got to do it by committee and making up all those yards and snaps he got is going to be tough. So 
And I, I think another angle of it, too, since Jordan Washington is an early enrollee who will be here in the next seven days. I don't remember the exact day that they move into Texas, um, but I assume it's sometime the next week. Uh he has all spring ball to go through, right? So if they feel like he's not where they thought he might have been after spring ball, like from a developmental perspective, they can just go in the portal in the spring window and tamper and get someone. Mm. So, tampering? Oh, we don't we do not do that around here. Come on. I'm just saying how it is, man. Everyone, My, everyone my favorite does. school does not cheat, okay? Every other school out there, all of my rival schools cheat. My you, sound like, school. you sound like my stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sound like everybody on Twitter right now. It's like, Oh, whenever a player enters the portal, the rival fans are like, that culture must be really bad. And yeah, every, yeah. Everyone on that team that roots for that team is like, no, it's because we have so much talent everywhere else. That's why he's leaving. It's like yeah. nah, fans fans are hilarious at times. You know, my my least favorite thing is whenever, uh, whenever like, like Ryan Wingo committing to Texas, the Mizzou fans are like, too much it's too much pressure for him to stay here i remember i couldn't tell i assumed it was satire because there's no way you're this stupid but there's a big tweet that went viral where it's like he's ducking the sec oh. yeah um and yeah. a lot of s a lot of a&m fans i've seen that when they would lose like because ou like every year for the last two or three years it's felt like ou is just stuffed a&m in a locker for a d lineman that they were supposed to get like they did it with um or, or i meant vice versa sorry did it with David Hicks, uh, Brownlow, Dindy. Oh, you finally won, I guess, with David Stone this year. Um, yeah. But but A&M fans, whenever they lose a recruit, they're the kings of, like, he's ducking the SEC. He can't play in that, especially when the kids used to commit to Texas over A&M. Um, and they were in the Big 12 then. So He would have been a great fit at A&M because they can't play in the SEC either. So <laughs> that would have that been perfect for that guy. Bang. Um, yeah. yeah. Was uh was Wingo, I mean, you've, you've covered a million recruitments. I'll just focus on this year. But uh, where does Wingo rank? Was that the craziest recruitment you had to deal with? Obviously, signing day was a ridiculous S show. Uh, but, like, top to bottom, start to finish, is he number one of all of these Texas guys? Or is it Phil Samay or somebody else? Um, Wingo, I'm not going to lie. Hank and I had a lot of help on Wingo because Will Fong was all over that. Um, so that one really wasn't that hard. And also like for Wingo, it was always going to be Texas. And if it wasn't Texas, it was going to be Missouri. Like once we got past official visit season, it was clear it was Texas or Missouri. Um, Colin Simmons, on the other hand, was a total shit. Like I wanted to kill myself covering him. (laughs) Not actually, of course, but it was not fun covering him. Um, it was, it was really hard to get consistent information. They they had a ton of leverage in terms of negotiating NIL deals with the schools they were talking to. And a lot of that was because they shut it down and didn't talk to anyone and nothing was getting out. Um, luckily, I had a pretty good source there who helped me out a lot. Um, and I, I feel like I was kind of the first guy, one of them in the industry, to say this is going to be Texas because the whole week leading up to it, Colin started reaching out to reporters and telling some it was LSU, telling some it was Texas. No so everything way. was, yeah, people were trying to filter through that. Um, they also hadn't told any of the schools yet until he picked up the hat or 20 minutes before he picked up the hat that it was Texas. Um, so there was a lot, it, it was really hard to, to filter through the information there. But um, I, I remember he committed on Thursday and it was Tuesday. I remember this because I I almost (laughs) I thought I was getting pulled over whenever I was on the phone with the source who had called me and told me it was going to be Texas. And I had started to pull over. I was driving home from the grocery store and uh, the cop drove past me. But Hmm. I'll I'll always vividly remember getting the call. It's a done deal. It's Texas because I thought I was getting pulled over. Yeah, Uh, I thought you were getting a ticket while you found out. When I pulled over, he drove past me. Then I sped home because I didn't have my laptop with me. I needed to write that up because I'm like, this is going to get out quick. I ran upstairs, posted it. I remember I did a like it, love it, uh, leave it crystal ball story. I did him, Kobe Black. I think Landon Rink was the other one. And I said, like it for the other two. And I said, love it for calling. I'm like, it's going to be Texas in two days. Um, And that's that's how I did it, I guess. Um, you had a police escort home that day, too. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil Simi. Phil Simi was 
I mean, it was rough. Like, I had his official visit date, so we're correct and tweeted it out with the story, and he quote tweeted it saying it was false when they were correct. Um, he ended up rescheduling it, so that wasn't fun. But, I mean, I left it up there the whole time because I'm like, I know this is correct. Like, I'm not... From people not, came after you, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they're, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've talked about it. Like, I'm the youngest of seven kids. I got thick skin. Like, I can I can take it. Trust me. Pause. <laughs> and with, with Phil Smith and all that, like, I was just, I don't know. I, I was standing on what I had because I knew it was correct. And, you know, it ended up being correct, obviously. And now I get to talk about it like I can right now. But um, Phil Smith, that one, that one was... It had its ups and downs for sure. Um, we knew once Raymond was fired, he was coming to Texas because, um, and I'm going to save like the full story there, but long story short, someone in Phil Smith's circle called the Texas staff like the night Raymond got fired from Florida and told him, you know, we're coming. Mm. Um, and we got that that same night. So I actually wrote a crystal ball in story the night Raymond got fired, which was a Monday. And I didn't put out the official visit dates till Friday, even though I got them that Tuesday, um, because I wanted to hold on to it. Because the night Raymond got fired, he was on Instagram Live saying he wasn't going anywhere, like wasn't flipping, he was locked in. Yes, he was oh, saying that. I don't that. even remember that. Wow. And before he got on Instagram Live was when I got word from a source of Texas that someone in his circle had called Texas saying they were coming. So I'm like, okay, I cannot put out a crystal ball and story tonight when he's on social media saying he isn't going anywhere, even though someone in a circle is saying they're going there. So these kids are incredible, man. Yeah. But like people never think about it because like whenever, like I was really into recruiting before I became a recruiting analyst or somebody who works in this, I was really into, and I read a lot of the people I compete with nowadays, not just on the Texas beat, but national writers, people who cover A&M, people who cover SMU, whatever. I read their stuff. Cause I was, you know, I, I was a recruiting nut, I guess, right? But I never realized, like, there is so much behind the scenes that goes into our job and not pissing people off that, like, the regular person, like, doesn't understand. Like, it's not like I could have gone on Horns 24-7 the night that someone in Phil Smith's circle called Texas and said, hey, <laughs> I can't tweet this out on social media, but this is happening, you know what I mean? And, like, all the, hey, I have his official visit dates, but if I post it, it could hurt text, like, stuff like that. Like, yeah. People never realize that part of it. Um, I mean, it's really stressful at times, but I mean, I think the Lord every day, I don't have to work a regular nine to five job and I love what I do. And, you know, I would do it for basically free, which I, I mean, I basically did it for free for two years. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that was all over the place, but to wrap up what you asked, that's, that's how I did it. That's awesome. That is awesome. So what the next Next three or four weeks, I mean, obviously National Signing Day 2 is so minuscule compared to what we have in December, but do things kind of slow down for you after we get through February 7th? Um, Yeah, they will. And, I mean, really things are going to slow down hopefully the next week with the with the portal because, yeah. I mean, Texas, they're at the, where it stands right now on January 10th at noon, they're not getting McKinley or Terry Bussey. I just said that looks like it's the chances are just so low right now. Um, so as of right now, I'm not anticipating any high school guys to sign February 7th. Um, as far as portal guys, like that should be done in the next like two weeks. Or at least I'm hoping it's done. I'm tired of covering the portal. It's really, really hard to cover. Things change like that because so much money's involved um, with at least, you know, the guys that Texas is in contention for. So, you could report something and two minutes later, it's not true anymore. Um, and mm. yeah, again, the portal is just really hard to cover. So, so McKinley, that, oh, go ahead. I was saying like happy that that's coming to a close soon. And the main focus going forward is going to be 2025 pretty much, pretty much until this time next year. Cause I don't expect Texas to be very active in the spring window. Hmm. It's good. Good for you. Yeah, um, really McKinley's, McKinley's already announced his flip to LSU. Is is Bussy? Has he announced a flip yet, or is he? What, what's his story? He hasn't. Um, he wants okay. to take some visits. I think he said in a in an interview during Under Armour check in that Texas is a school he's maybe thinking about going to, but like seeing on a visit. Um, mm. 
But yeah, I think like Bama, LSU, A&M, they're all positioned much better. Even uh, OU, like OU is who finished second to A&M in, the, in September, July. Whenever he committed to A&M, Terry Bussey did. OU was who finished second, and it was actually like kind of that close. It was very close. Then it was like a huge drop off, like LSU, everyone else, and then a huge drop off, like Texas. Like Texas was not in it at all uh, whenever he committed in the summer. And I think part of it was other schools just did a better job of making him feel like a priority than Texas did. Um, yeah. Long story short, uh, Alex Foster, you know, that one's interesting. Um, for a sec there, it felt like he kind of would be wiped off the board if, you know, they kept gaining on the ground with McKinley. But McKinley obviously committed to LSU, so uh, that one's looking like it's not going to happen. But uh, Alex Foster, that's been mostly Hank's recruitment, so I'm going to have to talk to Hank about that. I also covered Alex a little bit because, uh, you know, I covered Baylor recruiting for a year, and he's he committed to Baylor uh, or was in it for Baylor before I made the transition to Texas, so. You know, I'll check in with him on that. I know Bo Davis is going to go out and home visit him sometime this month. Um, so, yeah, with, with him, though, and talking to him, it always it's always felt like if a decision is going to come, it would be on signing day itself or the week leading up to it. it. It didn't. It really feels like something he would take his time with. Um, and so that's why there hasn't been a ton of new reporting on it lately. Uh, or at least that's what I assume um, <laughs> is because – you know, he's he's going to take his time with his decision or he's already let people know of what he's thinking. And, you know, it could be sticking with Baylor. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but hopefully by tomorrow's show, I should have uh, something to follow up on that. There we go. Love that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to ask you before Trey pops on. Uh, Bo Davis goes without saying huge for Texas to keep him. I mean, I, I feel like he's known more of a, as a developer than a recruiter, but uh, feels like he can recruit pretty well with the track record that he has and how many guys he's turned into pro players. It's massive for Texas to keep him around. Yeah. Um, like, at this point in the – I mean, Texas, like like they showed with Nansen, they can go out and kind of get whoever they want. But, dude, if Bo Davis was to leave, like, in the next two weeks, like, that's kind of as big of a gut punch as you can get on your, on your positional staff. Um, maybe it's a shard choice, but I'd say that's about it kind of right now, at, at least how I feel like things stand with, with these coaches and who I like more than the others. Um, but so many of the, the D tackles and defensive linemen that get recruited by Texas, it's kind of only Bo Davis. that's the one talking to him. Um, other position coaches do a better job of incorporating maybe off field staff or personnel staff, but Bo Davis kind of raw dogs all these like himself um, and is winning them. He's winning them, uh, some of them. So the 2025 class, I think, is going to be his best defensive line class he signs if he remains at Texas to see it through um, at that part. But, again, like if he leaves, they're going to need to get someone um, that can really recruit and develop and pull in some guys because, like, you know, Bo Davis, he's not out here landing all these five stars like people wanted and people are saying, like, he was only doing that at Alabama because he was at Alabama. Like, say what you want. He's one of the best developers in the country when it comes to D linemen. And, I mean, like, dude, if you told me or I think anyone that's on air right now that Tavondre Sweat would have the season he had in August, we would laugh at you. Or at least I would because I, I, I was never expecting that. And all of that, even Sweat has said, is attributed to Bo Davis. So, mm. They're going to need to figure that out if uh, he ends up walking to uh, to LSU. Breaking news. Jordan Scruggs says that Bo Davis likes to raw dog these high school recruits on his own. Did I? No, as not, I said recruitments. <laughs> ah, okay. I beg your pardon. Uh, boy, tough to tough to kick you out on that one, Jordan. I'm yeah, sure that's hey, not, that's, not that, that's, 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 that's too close. That's too close, BK. Recruitments. <laughs> I just meant he's doing them himself. He he's not asking for help. He's he's going in. He's going in by himself and doing a good job of it. So going stop in. making it weird, BK. <laughs> I'm just making sure I'm following. Yeah. It, you know, yeah, I'm trying hey. to learn about your industry and what goes on in these recruitments. So I'm I'm making sure I understand what's going on here. Yeah. Hey, you 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 know what I'm saying? Like my old middle school line coach used to always say, "Do what I mean, not what I say." 
God damn, I thought he was going to say his middle middle school, uh, high school coach used to raw dog him. I got really scared there for a second. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that's where your head was going. <laughs> well, I look, I just appreciate like you helping me come up with another goal for 2024, and that's not getting raw dogged by Do- Bo Davis. I, I don't want that out of anybody. I especially don't want it out of him, especially after that tirade post-Iowa State a few years ago. Mm. Oh, did Jordan freeze or did he intentionally do that himself? <laughs> My Wi-Fi cut out. I don't. I haven't <laughs> moved. I haven't moved. The, the timing. <laughs> oh, you're breaking up. Sorry, can't hear you anymore. Yeah, no. Uh, Sark is like doxing my ass, getting my Wi-Fi shut down right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Jordan, did you just freeze on your own, or did your did your Zoom video actually freeze up like that? Because either way, it was- no. My my Wi-Fi just like went kaput because I went anytime I freeze, I pull up internet speed tests, and it wouldn't even let me Google that. So oh wow, it, it was Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, well, well done. Yeah. Sark in Texas put an EMP on my house. <laughs> All right, dude. You're the best. Appreciate That's you. Great. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Later, Gordon.